Welcome to The Gallipod, with me, Galliplicidia. In this episode, I'm reading part four of my fic, Dad Says. If you're not here for Drury Fanfic, you're in the wrong place. Don't forget you can join my newsletter at newsletter.gallipod.com. I hope you enjoy Dad Says. Chapter 8 Draco looked at him. Harry remembered watching him torture Raoul. Remembered his face appearing in the window of Hagrid's cabin in first year, and knowing they had to get Norbert away immediately, because Draco Malfoy was trouble. He was always trouble. Draco leant tentatively forwards, and their lips touched. Harry chased after the kiss. It was gentler than Harry had imagined it would be, and he realised he had imagined it a long time ago, long before he ran into Draco and Scorpius and Diagon Alley. He had imagined it the night after he almost killed Draco in sixth year, and after the Battle of Hogwarts when he thought of the Fianfire. Maybe he hadn't noticed imagining it, but he had. This was an old desire. This was a reawakening. Harry apparated them back to Draco's flat. Potter, you crazy fucker, you could have splinched us. Shut up, said Harry. He pushed Draco backwards towards the bedroom. He'd never been in it before. It was little and shabby. Draco had grown up in a manor house with servants, remembered Harry. Draco grew up believing he would be rich all his life. Draco fell backwards onto the bed. Hurry, he said, propping himself up on his elbows. Budge over, said Harry, climbing next to him. Draco moved so that there was space for Harry, but Harry had by that time realised he didn't need space. He straddled Draco and kissed him. Harry, said Draco again. What? said Harry. He wasn't sure he could handle a conversation. You're drunk, said Draco. So are you, said Harry. Yes, said Draco. We're very drunk. This is a bad idea. Harry pulled away. Do you want to stop? Draco shook his head violently. Then it's not a bad idea, said Harry. The room spun around them as they undressed each other. Everything was blurry and time moved strangely. Harry couldn't tell what was going on, really. Draco seemed confused, too. They kept laughing. This is such a bad idea, Draco said over and over, but he didn't stop. His skin was soft and damp and overwhelming. Harry focused on the bits of Draco that were undamaged. He kissed his way up the pure white of Draco's neck. He did not look at the scars on Draco's chest, the mark on his arm. It wasn't sex like anything Harry had had before. It was conflicting and inexplicable. Draco Malfoy wasn't just a person. He was an accumulation of memories and feelings that Harry knew he would never untangle. Draco was everything Harry hated and wanted, and he was his friend and his enemy, and he was irrepressibly handsome, and he was unhappy, and Harry wanted to love him back to wholeness, and there were so many different versions of him that Harry couldn't understand him, would never know him completely, all over, the way he wanted to. From the way Draco was looking at him, Harry knew he felt the same. He knew Draco was just as mystified by this turn of events as Harry was. Not just the sex, the friendship, the survival, the fact that they were there at all, that they hadn't both been killed as teenagers, possibly by each other. Draco, said Harry, eventually. This feels amazing, but I don't think I can finish. Thank God, said Draco. Me neither. Harry pulled out and collapsed on top of him. I'm so fucking drunk, said Draco. I think I'm going to throw up, said Harry. Don't you fucking dare. They caught each other's eye and burst into peals of helpless laughter. Draco actually cried with mirth. Harry didn't think he'd ever laughed so hard. We didn't eat dinner, he said, 
when they'd calmed down. Because you suggested the pub, said Draco. Yeah, because you love the pub. You were upset, said Harry. We can't not eat every time I'm unhappy. We'd starve. Harry kissed him. Had they made a mistake? There was a nasty feeling growing in the pit of his stomach. Something ominous. This is a bad idea. Do you like pancakes? asked Draco. Harry frowned. We can't have pancakes. It's night time. Draco pried himself loose from Harry's grasp and pulled on a pair of boxers. You've never had midnight breakfast? he asked. What the fuck is midnight breakfast? asked Harry. Draco shook his head sorrowfully. I'm sorry about your parents, he said, and stumbled out of the bedroom. Malfoy, shouted Harry. What the fuck? Stop lazing about and help me, said Draco from the kitchen. Harry swore under his breath, pulled on his boxes, and joined Draco in the kitchen. Draco made chocolate chip pancakes and bacon and eggs. He poured Harry a glass of orange juice and set the rickety Ikea table with placemats and cloth napkins. Midnight breakfast, he said proudly. Harry fell upon his food with enthusiasm, and Draco did not comment on his table manners. My mum used to make midnight breakfast when bad things happened, said Draco, when they were done. Dread roiled in Harry's stomach. Did a bad thing just happen? he asked. Draco's eyes were wide and unreadable. I don't know, he said. They fell asleep in Draco's bed, the sheets tangled around their legs, their limbs overlapping in odd, amicable ways. It wasn't really cuddling. It was hard to say what it was, thought Harry. He slept uneasily, with a sense of foreboding. Harry woke up with a pounding headache and a foul taste in his mouth. Draco was sitting on the edge of the bed, looking at him. Drink this, he said, and passed Harry a hangover antidote. Harry knocked it back and collapsed into the pillows as he felt the potion burn the alcohol out of him. After a few minutes, his headache had ebbed away, and he merely felt tired. He opened his eyes. Draco was only wearing boxers. Fuck, said Harry. We shagged. Tried to, said Draco. Fuck, said Harry. Harry had been almost blackout drunk, but hangover potions prevented memory loss. He remembered everything. The curling dread that had stirred in him the night before seemed to have stretched and grown while he slept, and now he understood. Draco was looking at him with gentle sympathy. It was just a shag, Potter. But it hadn't been. That was the problem. Harry Potter was allowed to fuck a Death Eater. That was probably appropriate, even. Shag the enemy into submission. Harry Potter wasn't supposed to have giggling, impotent, shameless sex with a Death Eater. He wasn't supposed to have fucking midnight breakfast with Draco Bloody Malfoy. He wasn't sure why it mattered, when before it hadn't. He just knew it did. He was Harry Potter. He was supposed to be with Ginny Weasley. He was supposed to be a wonderful friend, a noble person, a hard-working, productive member of society. Sleeping with Draco Malfoy was an abject failure of the heroic ideal. It went against everything that was expected of him. It was a bad idea. We were drunk, said Draco. If he had sounded bored or casual, Harry would have known he was hurt. But Draco's eyes were soft, concerned. It was as if he knew what Harry was thinking. We can't be together, said Harry. I know, said Draco. I would never expect that of you. We shouldn't have, said Harry. It was just a shack. A drunken mistake. Don't overthink it. 
I'm, said Harry, and you're... He knew Draco knew what he meant, because he shoved his left arm quickly behind his back, so that Harry couldn't see his dark mark. Trust me, I, I know, he said. He was still being so understanding, which made Harry want to kiss him, which wasn't allowed. Christ, Malfoy, you put on some fucking clothes already. Now he had hurt his feelings. Draco dressed with quick, deliberate movements. Harry watched him from the bed as Draco covered up the parts of him that made him untouchable. Those scars on his chest, the mark on his arm. Scars like an enemy uniform, marking him out as the opposition, even when he was naked. Especially when he was naked. Harry threw his own clothes on. It was just a shag, he said. Yes, said Draco, his voice clipped and precise. A drunken mistake, said Harry. Yes, said Draco. It won't happen again, said Harry. No, said Draco. We can't be together, said Harry. Why did he say it again? Did he expect Draco to disagree, to fight him on it? He knew Draco wouldn't. Draco didn't ask for things easily. Draco didn't say anything, in fact. He watched Harry with his politest expression. I'm going, said Harry. Draco inclined his head and led him to the fireplace, handed him the pot of flu powder. I'll see you Saturday, he said, at Eve's birthday drinks. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, said Harry. I'll have to see. It... it was just a shag, Potter. Don't... It didn't change anything, said Draco. Yeah, I know, lied Harry, and flew back to Grimmauld Place. To his great relief, no one tried to contact him. He expected his friends to send him concerned owls as he flaked out on every single social commitment he had made. But no one said anything. He wore his invisibility cloak constantly, even in the house. Draco didn't reach out. Harry had known he wouldn't. He couldn't explain his panic more clearly than... than it was wrong. There was a way his life was supposed to go, and he had fucked it up in every possible way. This wasn't how things were supposed to be... He kept imagining the prophet headlines. Chosen one in gay Death Eater sex scandal. That bruised-looking mark on Draco's arm. The scars on his chest. Sectum Sempra, always cut. He was furious, actually. More angry than he had been the summer after fourth year, when Ron and Hermione had been together, in the loop, while he was stuck in Privet Drive, isolated, unimportant. Everyone else had got the happy ending, while he, Harry, who had died in the war, had nothing. It wasn't how things were supposed to be. The problem was, Harry was no longer immune to loneliness. His time with Draco and his friends had reminded him of how good it felt to be around people. Harry flew around the indoor Quidditch pitch his house had provided for him and felt his loneliness like an injury. He didn't reach out to Ron and Hermione. He was angry with them and with himself. He knew he was being irrational, but it didn't change how he felt. He didn't reach out to anyone. He just walked around diagonally in his cloak, hating people. One night, however, he went out without his cloak. He went to an expensive, unfashionable bar on Nocturne Alley and bought an overpriced gin and tonic. A few people asked for his autograph, but he was so profoundly rude to them they started to leave him alone. He wrapped his hands around the cool glass and tried not to think. Well, 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 if it isn't old Scarhead, said a posh, drawling voice. It sounded like... Harry turned around eagerly. It was Blaise Labini. Drinking alone is the first sign of a problem, said Blaise, falling into the seat next to Harry. 
He was extremely handsome. He and Draco must have looked amazing together. Haven't got a problem, said Harry. No? Blaze smirked. It was such a Malfoyish expression. The way he moved was Malfoyish too, elegant and sweeping. Long, graceful fingers, arrogant and charming. What do you want, Zabini? Please, call me Blaze. His voice was a low purr. What do you want, Blaze? Blaze didn't answer right away. He ordered them another round of drinks. Harry noticed that he was wearing exquisitely cut robes. They probably cost a fortune. Do you like my robes, Harry? You keep staring at them. I... sorry, said Harry. No need to apologise. They look good, don't they? I'll let you in on a little secret. Blaze leant in conspiratorially, and Harry leant forward despite himself. The secret to dressing well is to have a spectacular body. Harry blushed and pushed away from Blaze. Fuck off, he said. Blaze smiled lazily. You could dress well, you know. Maybe I'll take you robe shopping sometime, hmm? Harry was uncomfortably aware that Blaze would probably do an excellent job of dressing him in wizarding clothes, just as Draco had done an excellent job of dressing him as a muggle. The bartender handed them their drinks. Thanks, ever so, said Blaze with heavy-lidded eyes. He licked his lips. Yum, yum. Harry knew why he wasn't trying harder to get away. He had been curious about Blaze ever since Draco mentioned that they had dated. It was as if Blaze could read his mind. So, how is Draco? he asked. Sorry, said Harry. Draco Malfoy, do you know many Dracos? I don't, personally, but perhaps you have been more fortunate. Draco's fine, said Harry. Really? Blaze looked suddenly earnest. It was so like Draco that Harry startled. The abrupt dropping of the veil, the flickering between laconic charm and sincerity. It was like a glimpse into a parallel universe. Blaze was who Draco might have been, if he hadn't been a Death Eater. Confident, well-dressed, hitting on Harry in a wizarding bar. The thought made Harry ache. He's got a lot of friends, said Harry. Good, said Blaze, earnestly. He deserves them. Harry didn't answer. He remembered asking Draco about his relationship with Blaze. Was it serious? he had asked. Not to him, Draco had answered. Are you too... Blaze paused delicately. An item? No, said Harry, more forcefully than necessary. We're just friends. Ah, said Blaze, cheerfully. Isn't that nice? Friends? Hang on, said Harry. How do you even know I've seen Malfoy? Blaze raised an eyebrow and another painfully Malfoyish expression. Is this why they had dated? Because they were mirror images of each other? You went with him to the Hogwarts Express. It was in the Prophet. Oh, said Harry. A horrible thought occurred to him. Chosen one and gay Death Eater sex scandal. Uh, what was the headline? he asked. I don't remember. Something about the boy who lived ushering in a new era of tolerance. And then there was that incident with the Howler, of course. That was in the Prophet? asked Harry. Oh, yes, said Blaze. The Prophet's always been overly interested in the lives of school children, as I'm sure you recall. Yeah, I do, said Harry, gloomily. I'd like to thank you, by the way. Now that you and Draco Malfoy are friendly, people appear less inclined to be rude to me. Rude to you? But you weren't really in the war, were you? asked Harry. 
Slytherin, darling. House of evil. Much easier to hate the lot of us. Anyway, you've certainly unsettled everyone. People are speculating that you'll come out in favour of Granger's Reconciliation Act. How what? Honestly, Scarhead, do you even read the paper? Not really, no. Or ask your friends about their jobs, their passions, said Blaze. Do you have a point? Because I don't have to stay, said Harry. You're too handsome when you're angry, Harry. No, don't go. The Reconciliation Act is Granger's pet project. She thinks measures need to be taken to reduce discord among war survivors. Crackdown on death eater catchers, barren war-based workplace discrimination, that sort of thing. That sounds brilliant, said Harry. Blaze smiled rather earnestly. Do you want to get a drink sometime, Harry? Like a date? asked Harry. Yes, like a date. Chosen one's gay affair with Slytherin heartthrob, thought Harry. Didn't sound so bad. That's what they would have said about him and Draco if... if things had been different. Blaze was so similar to Draco. Draco without the scars. No, said Harry. Thank you. Blaze looked disappointed. Pity, he said. Let me know if you change your mind. He downed the rest of his drink, winked at Harry, and left. Harry hadn't forgotten his promise to Scorpius. A week passed, and he knew he had to check on Draco. He wondered whether Draco had gone to the pub quiz with Ron and Dean and Luna, as usual, or whether that only happened when Harry was there. It made him miserable to think that Draco was cut off from people because of Harry. In fairness, everything to do with Draco made him miserable. He decided to go to Draco's bookshop, Less intimate than the flat, he reasoned. That was the problem. They had become too intimate. Two single gay men shouldn't spend so much time alone together getting drunk and talking about their feelings. If it hadn't been for that, it would all have been fine, probably. It was a disorganised little shop, crammed full of books that were stacked so precariously that Harry was sure Draco was using magic to maintain them. He heard Draco before he saw him. Sure, if you value fame over quality, by all means read Hard Times. Look, will you just ring the book up? said an annoyed female voice. I really don't need a running commentary. I've got Bleak House right here. It's a far superior Dickens novel. It's huge. I haven't the time, said the woman. Oh, I see. You don't like to be challenged. Prefer your books easy and unrewarding, do you? Young man. Sometimes difficult things are the most worthwhile. I should have listened to the Yelp reviews. They said you were rude, said the woman. Draco laughed. Charmingly candid, surely. I'll take Bleak House and Hard Times, said the woman, sounding resigned. You won't regret it, said Draco. Unless you read Hard Times, you will regret that. The woman laughed. Apparently Draco had successfully charmed her. I'll be back, young man, she said. Thank you for your business, said Draco, smugly. The woman bustled past Harry, clutching her two books, and Harry sidled past a stack of World War I memoirs to the cash register. Hey, he said. Draco looked up, startled. Harry? You terrorise that poor woman, said Harry. Draco waved his hand. She should be grateful. I've given her the gift of Bleak House. How have you read so many Muggle novels? asked Harry. Draco picked up a scanning contraption and started scanning barcodes on a pile of books on the counter. Granger, he said. She passed a bill that put a library full of Muggle books in Azkaban. Read quite a bit in there. Oh, said Harry. Draco wasn't looking at him. Harry leant his elbow on the counter. 
he kept getting distracted by remembering that he had been inside Draco. Promise Scorpius I'd check in on you once a week, he said, because it was an appropriate thing to say, and that was what Harry wanted to be, appropriate. Draco's clever grey eyes flicked up. I can send you an owl next week. You don't actually have to come and check on me. Harry considered this. It was proving more difficult not to kiss Draco than he had anticipated. And he couldn't kiss Draco, so maybe it would be best if they just didn't see each other until this crush had run its course. Harry wondered if Draco was thinking about kissing him, too. He didn't seem to be thinking of anything but the shop as he scanned the books with his long, nimble fingers. I saw Blaze, said Harry, sort of by mistake. Draco's fingers paused on oranges are not the only fruit, then brought it up to be scanned. He asked me out. I said no, said Harry. Why? Because he's a Slytherin? Draco didn't sound bitter. He sounded curious. No, because he's your ex, said Harry. You didn't mention that to him, did you? No. He asked after you, though, said Harry. Draco gave a low, unhappy laugh. Did he? He murmured. What did you say? That you were well, said Harry. How delightfully vague. Yeah, well, I don't know the whole story between you two. I didn't want to put my foot in it. Draco shot him a knowing look. Sorry, said Harry. I'm not trying to worm it out of you. I know you're not, said Draco. And now he was looking at Harry properly, his eyes gentle and understanding. He sighed. I've often thought that Blaze is who I would have been if I hadn't made so many god-awful decisions. This was so exactly what Harry himself had thought that he was taken aback. Draco looked thoughtful. Maybe you should give him a chance, he said. What? Go on a date with him, said Draco. I think you two would be good together. Come off it, said Harry. No, really. He's handsome, funny, well-dressed. Just the right amount of bad. Lives in the real world with you. Draco was looking at him intently, but again, he didn't seem hurt or closed off. He seemed... concerned. I'm serious. You could do worse. If anyone could make you happy, he could. You actually mean it, said Harry. Draco smiled lopsidedly. I'm your wingman, aren't I? Best wingman I've ever had, said Harry. He frowned at the counter. I'm sorry I disappeared. I just... needed a bit of space. Still do. Draco rolled his eyes. I know, Potter. I can read social signals. Right. I just wanted you to know I'll come back. Because we're friends, yeah? Christ, Potter, don't be such a girl, said Draco. I'll make you a friendship bracelet if you're not careful, said Harry. Go on a date with Blaze, said Draco firmly. Yeah? said Harry. Yeah. It will clear your head, I think, said Draco. Suddenly... Harry understood. Draco wanted to be allowed to make stupid decisions again, to make mistakes like a normal twenty-something, without it having far-reaching consequences on himself and his son, to be able to drunkenly shag a friend without it mattering. Draco could sense that it had mattered to Harry, and he was trying to divert Harry's attention elsewhere so they could get back to being friends. Harry remembered how quickly, how pleadingly he had reiterated that it was just a shag. The pained feeling in Harry's chest at the thought that Draco didn't really like him was incredibly selfish, Harry told himself. All right, he said. I'll go on a date with Blaze. Chapter 10 Blaze. 8pm tonight. The Italian restaurant off Diagon Alley. You're paying. Harry.
Dear Harry, you are so charmingly brusque, like a lumberjack. Makes me shiver all over. A plus tard, Blaze. Blaze was fifteen minutes late. You're late, said Harry. Am I? My hair was being uncooperative, but I cowed it into submission. It looks lovely now, doesn't it? It did. Blaze ordered for both of them in Italian without consulting Harry. I hope you like muscles, he said. Harry swallowed uncomfortably. Blaze continued to make sexual innuendos and smirk at Harry until their food arrived. Then he became abruptly earnest again. Did Draco mention me? he asked. A, a bit, said Harry. What did he say? Not much, really. Blaze seemed to take this in. He put his chin in his hand. I was once very much in love with Draco Malfoy, he said. Oh, said Harry blankly. Were you... was it serious? Blaze stirred his drink idly with his straw. I asked him to marry me. What? said Harry. In seventh year, said Blaze, twisting his mouth into a strained smile. He said yes. I hope you won't think me conceited if I tell you that he was in love with me too. So, what happened? asked Harry. Blaze raised his eyebrows. You, Harry, you defeated the Dark Lord, and I no longer thought it wise to associate myself with a Death Eater. So you just dumped him? asked Harry, suddenly finding Blaze considerably less attractive. Blaze shrugged self consciously. I had to think of myself, he said. But you loved him, said Harry. Oh, yes. I loved him. Harry frowned. Blaze was looking at him with an intense, hard look in his dark brown eyes, as if daring Harry to ask more. He was clearly still hung up on Draco, and frankly, that wasn't a can of worms Harry was interested in opening. So, when did he marry Astoria? asked Harry. He fell into bed with her on a rebound, knocked her up, and married her to preserve her honour. Oh, I know what you're thinking. But we pure-blood families are so particular, you know. It would have been much more disreputable for her to have a child out of wedlock than for her to have an imprisoned war criminal as a husband. That hadn't been what Harry was thinking, in fact. He had been thinking that Malfoy had never been in love with Astoria, which gave him a peculiar feeling behind the ribs. Draco's really never told you all of this, asked Blaze. We don't really talk about the war much, said Harry. Ah, said Blaze. Well, I must say that that is unexpectedly generous of him. How do you mean? said Harry. Well, does he know you're here with me? Yes, he said we'd probably get on, said Harry. An expression that was unmistakably guilt crossed Blaze's handsome face. And he didn't mention anything about... after Azkaban? No, said Harry. Blaze's eyes glittered. He didn't. What happened after Azkaban? asked Harry. I shouldn't be telling you this. It doesn't paint me in the most flattering light. Why are you telling me? Guilty conscience, said Blaze. And, well... Draco's never been good at complaining about the things that actually hurt him. We were always talking about him behind his back in Slytherin, telling each other his problems so that he wouldn't have to. He took a sip of wine. 
Part of being Draco's friend is having other people tell you what's going on in his head, I'm afraid. Sounds healthy, said Harry. Who said anything about healthy? It's Draco, said Blaze. Fine, go on, said Harry. Blaze sighed. He was let out of Azkaban four months early. Good behaviour. Only Astoria was never very organised. She missed the letter with his release date, so he got out, wantless, that was one of the stipulations, a year with no magic, and she and Scorpius were still in France. His parents were dead, of course. He was allowed to send one short-distance owl. He asked me if he could crash on my couch. I said no. Harry made a small, outraged sound. I know, said Blaze. It didn't occur to me that he wouldn't have anyone else. And you have no idea what it's been like for Slytherins, the amount of prejudice. I might have lost my job. He petered out, took another sip of wine, then continued. Then that profit article came out. What profit article? asked Harry. Homeless Death Eaters starving on streets of London. He was homeless. I went looking for him after that. Astoria found him first, took him back to France, killed herself a few months later. It was a pretty rough homecoming, I imagine. Would you like the dessert menu? asked the chirpy waiter. Ooh, do you have banoffee pie? asked Blaze. I adore banoffee pie. We do, said the waiter. How marvellous. Two banoffee pies, please. Harry felt as if his thoughts were trudging through thick mud. Horror and guilt clung to him as he tried to find words. You were a coward, he said. Blaze looked taken aback. Yes, I suppose I was. You were so concerned about what other people would say if you were with him that you didn't stop to think about how he was feeling. Blaze stared at him, wounded. You hurt him, said Harry. Yes, Harry, all of this has occurred to me before. Oh... Harry put his head in his hands. I fucked up, he said. Oh, said Blaze again. What do I do, said Harry. I'm not sure I'm the best person to advise. I'm so fucking useless, said Harry. Pull yourself together, said Blaze, looking around anxiously. Don't have a breakdown on me, Chosen One, I implore you. I have to go, said Harry. Yes, I think that's probably best. I'm such an idiot, said Harry. Glad I could help you come to that conclusion, said Blaze. Harry glanced up at him. Did you know? No, said Blaze. But I thought it was a possibility. You two were always obsessed with each other in school. He paused. You'd be good together, you know. That's what he said about you and me, said Harry. Blaze shook his head. I've dated people who fought in the war before. It never works out. I can't relate. We don't match. Banoffee pie, said the waiter, brightly. Heavenly. All for me. Off you go, Harry. See you around, Blaze, said Harry. Do send my love to Draco. Harry hurried out of the restaurant and apparated straight into Draco's living room. It was empty. Draco, I have to talk to you. There was blood on the floor. Rather a lot of blood, heart thudding in his ears. Harry followed the red trail to a horribly familiar sight. Draco Malfoy, bleeding to death in a bathroom. 
Chapter 11 Draco was breathing, barely. He did not respond to Harry's frenzied cries, nor did he open his eyes. Harry immobilised him and apparated them to St Mungo's, where Draco was hastily placed on a gurney and carted away. "'I need to go with him,' said Harry. "'Are you family?' asked Ahila. "'I'm... no, I'm Harry Potter,' said Harry, stupidly, but it seemed to work. Harry was permitted to stay near Draco as healers poured over him, diagnosing curses and stopping the blood flow. "'Can you tell us anything about the assailants? It may help us diagnose the curses used,' asked a healer. Harry explained everything he knew about Death Eater Catchers. "'Is he going to be okay?' "'He's in a critical condition,' said the healer. Harry cast a Patronus. "'Tell Professor McGonagall that Draco Malfoy has been injured and Scorpius must come to St Mungo's immediately.' His stag galloped away. He quickly cast another, telling Ron what had happened. Then he waited by Draco's bed, feeling sick. Ron arrived ten minutes later, his freckles garish on his pallid face. Is he okay? They don't know yet, said Harry. I've informed the aura office, the red is flat now, collecting evidence, said Ron. If they don't catch the people who did this, I will, said Harry, fiercely. Ron put an arm around him for a quick side hug before dropping him. Have you sent for Scorpius yet? he asked. Yeah, they're probably sorting out the port key now. Ron sighed, and leant back in the plastic visitor's chair. What happened between you and Ferret anyway? Did you break up? He's been really down all week. Harry stared at him, baffled. Break up? We weren't together. Okay, mate, said Ron, evidently unconvinced. We weren't. And when did you see him this week? Ron looked at him as if he were being deliberately stupid. We have a standing weekly chess date, he said. But I wasn't there to umpire. Ron laughed. Harry, mate, you, you don't need an umpire for chess. That was just Ferret's plot to get you to spend more time with me. What? Same with the bloody pub quiz with Dean and Luna. You think he wanted to see them? I thought... He's been lonely, said Harry. I guess, said Ron. I mean, he sees his muggle friends literally every day. And you know how traumatic it was for him to see Dean and Luna. He did it so that you'd start hanging out with us again. Harry stared at Draco, who was encased in a thick bubble of healing spells. I didn't... He suddenly understood something. Did he owl you all and tell you to leave me alone this week? Yeah, I said you needed a bit of space. Seriously, what happened? We slept together, said Harry. Then I freaked out and vanished, not before making some cryptic remarks about him being a Death Eater. Ron looked deeply unimpressed. Nice one, mate. Just what he needed to feel more insecure about his past. Yeah, I know, all right, said Harry. And then I went on a date with Blazer Beanie and realised what a monumental twat I was being and when I went to apologise, I found him like this. Ron made a face. What a fucking mess, he said. Harry nodded glumly. The door opened. Scorpius came barreling through it, looking tiny and terrified in blue pyjamas. Dad! He stopped short at the bed, his face working then turned to Harry. He's going to die, he said. No, they don't know yet, said Harry. He held out his arms, and Scorpius crawled into his lap. What if he dies? he asked. He won't, said Harry, hoping he wasn't lying. Scorpius nuzzled into his shoulder, trying not to cry. But what if he does? he asked. He won't, said Harry. And I'll take care of you until he's better, okay? Scorpius nodded and started to cry quietly into Harry's shirt. Harry made soft noises and stroked his hair, conscious that Ron was watching him. We need to tell Eve and Nick and Flora, said Harry. 
You can't, said Scorpius, jerking his tear-stained face up to look at Harry. It's against the statute. I really couldn't care less about the statute, Scorpius. When Draco wakes up, I want his friends to be there, and they'll be worried about him. They'll send him back to Azkaban, said Scorpius, shrilly. We can't. Mate, drop it, said Ron. Scorpius, darling, listen to me, said Harry. Let me worry about all this. I'll go to the minister tomorrow and explain the circumstances. The minister for magic, asked Scorpius. Yes, said Harry. If he says it's okay, they can't get Dad in trouble, can they? No, said Harry. Okay, said Scorpius. He turned tearfully towards Ron and stuck out his hand. Hello, I'm Scorpius Malfoy. Ron Weasley. You can call me Weasel. My dad almost poisoned you once, said Scorpius, shrinking nervously back into Harry's arms. That was kind of an accident, said Ron, uncomfortably. Evil can't be undone, said Scorpius. Ferret, Malfoy, your dad wasn't evil, said Ron. He was just a bit of a prat. Anyway, we're friends now. You're friends, repeated Scorpius. Yeah, said Ron. He's really good at chess, he added defensively. I didn't say anything, said Harry. They waited in the hospital for another hour. Scorpius alternated between standing very close to the bed, staring at Draco, and curling up in Harry's lap. He did not cry again. Finally, a healer told them Draco was in a stable condition, and that nothing more could be done for him that night. Come on, said Harry to Scorpius. You can stay at mine. When they got back to Grimmauld Place, Harry went to the kitchen and made pancakes. Midnight breakfast, said Scorpius, when Harry put a plate in front of him. For when bad things happen, said Harry. Scorpius shook his head. Only sometimes. Sometimes it's just because Dad is happy. Harry found it hard to eat his pancakes after that. Scorpius encountered no such difficulty. He ate every bite. His table manners were exemplary. When he was done, he placed his cutlery neatly on his plate and stared at his clasped hands. Henry Biggs said, Henry Biggs said you're only being nice to us because you're sleeping with Dad. For a second, Harry thought he had misheard. But Scorpius looked so unhappy that he knew he hadn't. The more I hear about this Henry Biggs, the less keen I feel on him, said Harry, weakly. Scorpius didn't say anything. He didn't even look at Harry. Scorpius, Harry sighed. Look, there is nothing that could happen between me and your dad that would change the fact that I love you. Scorpius put his head on the table and sobbed. Harry had never heard him cry like that, and he instinctively knew that Scorpius wouldn't have cried like that in front of him if Harry hadn't told him he loved him. He would never have allowed himself to. Harry walked around the table to crouch by Scorpius. The moment Scorpius felt Harry, he melted into him. I don't want to go to a home for war orphans, he said, between great gulping sobs. Harry picked him up and carried him to the sofa. Your dad's going to be fine, he said, kissing the top of Scorpius's head. But if he's not, you can come live with me. Do you promise? I promise, said Harry. Although you could also live with Nick and Flora, you know, or Eve. You have so many people who love you, Scorpius. So many people who would love to take care of you. But I could live with you. You promise? I promise, said Harry. You want to shake on it? Scorpius nodded. Harry held out his hand. It was awkward, given the way Scorpius was nestled in his arms. I promise you can live with me. I promise to take care of you, said Harry. Scorpius took his hand and shook it. Thank you, he said. Grimmauld Place produced a small, neat bedroom, all hung in Ravenclaw colours. Harry tucked Scorpius in and left the door open. Harry, 
said Scorpius, as Harry was about to leave. Yes? I love you too. Harry went back in and kissed him on the forehead, before going to his own bedroom. He had an owl to send. The next morning, Draco was still unconscious. He had been changed into a loose hospital gown, and was heavily bandaged. Here are his personal effects, said a healer, handing Harry a neat pile of clothes, a wallet, and keys. I'll keep them safe, said Harry, moving to stow them in his robes, until something caught his attention, a crinkling in the inside jacket pocket. Harry reached in and found a letter. It was a little crumpled, and in very familiar handwriting. Harry's handwriting. Glancing around to check that no one was looking, he unfolded it. Malfoy. Andromeda has given us the all clear. I'll take Scorpius over at ten tomorrow. I may be completely wrong here, but it seems like you think you're ruining Scorpius's life. And I guess it makes sense that you would worry about that because, at least from my perspective, your dad ruined yours. But I grew up without a father, and I would have given anything to have someone love me like you love Scorpius. I know you think he'd be better off without you. I promise you he wouldn't. I'm sorry if I'm overstepping by saying all this. I just thought you should know that you have no idea how lucky Scorpius is to have you. You're a wonderful father. H. Potter. Something was clutching in his throat. Draco had never mentioned that letter, never responded to it. No, he just kept it in his pocket. For months. Harry folded it back up and put it away. Come on, darling, he said to Scorpius. We're going to the ministry. Harry held Scorpius's hand tightly as he fought his way through crowds of interested well-wishers in the atrium. Is that Teddy Luthen? asked a witch, smiling beatifically at Scorpius. No, it's Scorpius Malfoy, said Harry, pulling Scorpius closer. Oh, how, how lovely, said the witch. Excuse me, we're in a hurry, said Harry. Hermione was waiting for them outside Kingsley's office. Hello, she said. You must be Scorpius. I'm Hermione. Hermione Granger, breathed Scorpius, looking starstruck. Yes, I've heard all about you from Harry and Ron, of course. I'm so sorry about your father. Scorpius seemed at a loss for words. Hermione turned to Harry. I think this is a wonderful idea, Harry. I can't believe I didn't think of it before. I've written a draft of the amendment already. But I only owled you about it last night, said Harry. It's very rough. Just a few notes, really, said Hermione, taking out an enormous stack of paper. Harry laughed and shook his head. I've missed you, he said. Kingsley sat behind his desk. He did not seem surprised to see them. There was a rumour you were rampaging around, he said to Harry. He turned to Scorpius. Mr. Malfoy, I presume? Scorpius, how do you do? said Scorpius. It's a pleasure to meet you, Scorpius. I'm Kingsley. I was sorry to hear about your father. How is he today? They're still trying to figure out what spells were used by his attackers, said Harry. Kingsley nodded gravely. How can I help you, Harry? Hermione? I'm just letting you know that I'm going to be bringing Draco's muggle friends to St. Mungo's. Five of them, said Harry. Harry? I'm not asking, Kingsley. I'm telling you. If you had put Draco under ministry protection when I asked you, this wouldn't have happened. The statute... That's what we wanted to talk about, interjected Hermione. We'd like to propose an amendment to the Statute of Secrecy to facilitate muggle-wizard interactions. Under the new legislation, a witch or wizard would be able to file for exemptions to the statute on the basis of personal relationships. She put her stack of papers on Kingsley's desk. It would function something like muggle immigration systems. Does that mean we could tell even Nick and Flora about Hogwarts? asked Scorpius. We're telling them no matter what, growled Harry. Yes, well, said Hermione, slightly nervously. 
under ordinary circumstances, there would be an application procedure. Just try to put me in Azkaban. Just try, said Harry. Hurry, said Kingsley. There's no need to be inflammatory. You may, of course, inform Mr. Malfoy's friends about his position in the wizarding world, given the circumstances. I'll send the paperwork over to St. Mungo's. As to the amendment, I'm intrigued by the idea myself. Don't forget I lived in the Muggle world for quite some time during the war. I well remember the difficulties the statute posed in making meaningful connections there. Right, well, good, said Harry, who had come prepared to fight. Scorpius went to the desk and took Kingsley's hand in both his own. You don't know how much my dad wanted this. Even if he... It would have made him happy. Thank you. Harry never tired of watching Scorpius disarm people. When they took leave of Hermione, Scorpius blushed furiously red and said something in a low voice. What was that? asked Hermione, kindly. Would... would you let me write you a letter? You wouldn't have to write back. I wouldn't bother you, I promise. Only Dad always said you were the cleverest witch he ever met, and I... Hermione had gone bright red as well. Oh, that's... unexpected, she said. Of course you can write to me. I love getting post. She scribbled her address on a piece of paper and gave it to Scorpius, who folded it reverently as if it were a priceless treasure. Come on, Scorpius, said Harry. Let's tell your friends you're a wizard. Scorpius sighed. Eve is going to be so mad, he said. That was part four of Dad Says, written and read by Gala Placidia. Tune in next week for the final part. A reminder that you can join my newsletter at newsletter.gallopod.com. I'm really excited about it. Uh, it's so thrilling every time someone signs up. So, you know, if you fancy it, please do. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and a review on the Apple Podcast app, or maybe just tell a friend. And you can also follow me on my Instagram at letthemeatbooks with underscores instead of spaces. Thank you for listening.